Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen. What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green, he's Brett Barry, and it's Territorial Cup Game Week, which, of course, we have to talk about that. Otherwise, we'd be leading with a basketball team, basketball teams, who are just rolling right now. Brett, you were in Pullman last weekend. You got to see Arizona lose to Washington State, as Arizona often does. Welcome back to Sunshine, I guess. Thanks for welcoming me back, Adam. Uh, both the weather and the game were not as painful as the last time I was there when we were down 50 <laughs> points at halftime. And so this is more 20s. about the last game that does this one. <laughs> um, I mean, it was if, if you've ever been to a, a game in Pullman, it's actually a really fun experience, uh, but I've never been in that much fog uh, for, for a football game where I was in the eighth row and at the, in the second half, I could not see the opposite side of the stadium where the student section was and make out anybody on that side, which was quite something. Well, it, this was a game, too, where Arizona was, I think, two touchdown underdogs going in, which was pretty respectable. They were coming off arguably their best game of the season against Utah in a loss, but it was a really competitive loss against what is now the Pac-12 South champs. And, you know, it didn't. I mean, Jerry Roberts gets hurt on the first play from scrimmage, so that wasn't helpful. Arizona losing a linebacker who had been playing really well, and it kind of set the tone. And I don't think Arizona was blasted in the way they were in previous games and that venue. And, Brett, you can attest that. I think that's what you're saying, how it wasn't as bad. Arizona seemed to compete, but they did not have nearly the horses to keep up with Washington State. You know, Arizona got that touchdown in the second quarter. It was a fourth down throw to Booby Curry, which I feel like there was another receiver underneath on the fourth down that was a much safer pass. But Plummer made that throw. Curry made the great catch, and there you go, touchdown. And then, of course, Arizona struggled to do much in the second half, got 11 total points. But this seemed to be, to me, a case of just Washington State was a better team, had more weapons. Arizona, in that setting, with what they've lost, with what they were missing injury-wise, like you, you're going to have a hard time winning that game no matter what, 44-18. to 18, it, the score is almost, I don't know, Arizona felt like they were playing more competitive than the scoreboard indicates to me. I mean, it was a weird game with the weather and a lot of the guys that were held out. Jerry Roberts getting hurt on the first play didn't help things. Um, I, I say this as somebody that was there. I'm not, <laughs> I, I don't mean this in a flippant way, but I don't think anybody on the Arizona sideline wanted to be there one minute longer than they had to be. <laughs> Whether that's being in Pullman the weather or looking ahead to the territorial cup game. Uh, I, di- I did not see, you know, I've been to a lot of the home games uh, this year and I've, I, I did not see a, a, a lot of energy there. I think that it was going through the motions a little bit and maybe this is me just asserting judgment. Um, 
But if you're if you're going against a, a decent team and you're not going in with full effort, I think that game is kind of what happens to you. Um, I don't I don't think that they necessarily didn't put up effort. I just think they were going through the motions, if that makes sense. I'm going to parse that a little bit. I, I think it does make sense. Like it's not that they didn't want to win the game, it's not that they didn't try to win. Just when you're just like, okay, I'm going to try, but whatever happens, I just want to get the hell out of here. Like, it's, especially if yeah. you lose one of your leaders on the first play from scrimmage, it might be someone says, oh, God, we got to get out of here healthy. <laughs> it wasn't like it was in the middle of the game. They lost him for you know the rest of the season. It's one game. But on the first play from scrimmage, like that's got to be an emotional just like you'd like to be able to recover from that. But in that setting with the team they were facing, that's hard to recover from in that moment, I'd think. No, I think it is. And, you know, in a in a cold, it was initially kind of sleety, freezing rain, snowy, too, where it was pretty miserable weather before the fog set in. Um, any energy they had kind of hyped up in the first quarter that 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 deflates the team inherently just by the sheer time of sitting there uh, watch, and what then watching one of your leaders uh, go off the field on a on a cart. Right. Yeah. Um, and I it's it, it was. <laughs> It's a little bit of one of those games that hopefully in you know in the not too distant future uh, you look back on and be like oh yeah that happened um, which is not great but when you're a team that's won one game all season and one game in two plus years I think it's understandable uh, would I have liked to see a, a little bit better fight for it sure I think like I said I think um, I think the effort initially was there but I think it's personified a little bit in the initial effort was there. Uh, but maybe the the discipline wasn't as personified by the eight thousand yards that Washington State gained <laughs> on draw plays, which is is a very good uh, metaphor for I think the way Arizona approached that game, where there's an initial uh, punch to it, but it, they're just not they're just not there in that game, and 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 then you know Max Borgie ran over the the Arizona defense a lot of that game. Yeah, and if there's one thing you want to maybe try to take solace in, it seems like when Arizona's played a really bad game. A really, truly bad game. They followed it up with one of their better efforts. You know, if you could argue NAU was one of the really bad game, then they went up to Oregon and had a chance in that game. Of course, they got blasted in Colorado. It was a closer game through two and a half quarters. They followed that up with like, the game against Washington that they should have won. Uh, so, you know, they, they, they were playing. It looked like their best football the last few weeks. You know, Washington, USC, Cal, Utah. They were playing some pretty good football over that stretch. And then just this game happens, and you hope it's the anomaly. Now the things you have to wonder, this team, we could get into it a little bit later, but Don Brown is now going to be the head coach at UMass. He's got one more game to coach with the Wildcats, but how does a defense take that, right? Like They love this guy. There's a reason people love playing for Don Brown. Well, he's got one foot out the door, and he's sticking with the team, but how does that affect them going forward? Um, Will Plummer, of course, he wasn't bad against Washington State. He battles. And that's the thing you can say the most about him. Like, he battles, and he has improved. Uh, the running game, Drake Anderson had the long run. Michael Wiley, you know, had another touchdown catch. So there were some decent things and some things you say, okay, I wonder if that's going to affect them in this game against ASU this weekend. And I just think it's hard to tell. And I think to your point, Brett's like, what, what does this game mean? And maybe in, we're recording on Wednesday the 24th, maybe in like three days' time, four days' time, it's like, oh, yeah, it doesn't mean anything. You know, they're missing too many guys. They lost a player on the first play from scrimmage. The weather was terrible, and they laid an egg. Fine. You know, because they came out against ASU and played really well. Or we're going to look back and say, or you might look back and say, well, that was a sign of what's to come. <laughs> you know, And we won't know which one it is or if it's something in between for another few days. But I think you could look at this game and take it either way at this point. So 
I think that's fair. And the thing that coming away from that game that concerns me the most going forward, Adam, is the thing that might be not repairable, which was the safety coverage on on deep passes in that game. Like Washington State was abusing, you know, our our safeties and especially, you know, I don't want to call out a guy that I I inherently just like as a human being, but Jaden Young was getting burned left yeah. and right in that game. Uh, and and badly, and it was very clear they were targeting him. Uh, and going into the last game of the season, that that concerns me because I'm not sure there's an easy fix for that beyond scheme, and you know maybe some you know some way of getting a little bit more pressure on the quarterback to not allow those those kind of plays to develop. Um, you know, my hope is that the 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 low energy is an anomaly. Uh, that the Don Brown thing, of course, breaks my heart uh, because I love Don Brown. He is like. The, the best cartoon version of a football coach I could possibly conjure up in my head, and I want to go run through a brick wall for him. Um, and it's 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 awkward timing uh, with the announcement and where UMass has already <laughs> made it official and he's still going to coach in this game. I'm sure there's some conversations that will need to be had between Don Brown and the staff and, and the players. You know, my hope, an optimistic take is, you know, Don Brown is able to kind of you know, leverage this into a, uh, a a little bit of a win one for the Gipper kind of thing, right? And uh, say, hey, I want to send you you out as as winners in the, the the you know this is Arizona's bowl game coming up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think everybody loves Don Brown. I think hopefully he's able to smooth over some of the things where, from what from what Jed Fish insinuated, Don Brown wasn't leaving due to lack of. Uh, funds that Arizona is willing to well, offer. He, it's more about moving east, right? And, and that's the funny thing. It's not like he's leaving. Like The only school that would have offered Don Brown a job was UMass, a job as a head coach, and that's Basically. the only job he would have left for. It's not like Arizona lost him so much as he just left for to be a head coach back home. You can't fault the school, and you can't fault Don Brown for it, but it is funny that Arizona's going to lose a coach from what might be a one-win team. <laughs> and he has improved the defense, but you know this is not a team that you were worried about losing coaches from, having coaches poached from. Until it's like the UMass job, like, oh, wait, yeah, that makes sense. He fits there. But that's what you wonder going into this game. And, you know, it's going to be Arizona-ASU trying to end this losing streak and take the Territorial Cup back. Um, Arizona's an underdog. There are three touchdown underdogs in this one against an ASU team that is pretty talented but has struggled and no longer has the Pac-12 South as a goal. And, you know what, Brett, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to get some insight from Brad Denny of Speak of the Devils podcast because, you know, it's ASU and we want to know what Arizona's facing. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, it's Wildcat Radio 2.0. We are joined, as promised, by Brad Denny of Speak of the Devils podcast, the premier ASU podcast, which we're assuming most of you guys don't know because why would Wildcat Radio listeners find an ASU podcast? But Brad, welcome back to the show. Guys, I appreciate it. It's always great to talk to you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and of course we have you because this is Territorial Cup Game Week, Arizona ASU. Unlike last season, Arizona has a win going into the game. And if I remember, I did 
did ASU have a win? Go- did they beat anyone ahead of the Arizona game last year either? Or did they have a win? No, they uh, they did not because they had they lost the owner to USC, um, then had the the COVID break for like three weeks, uh, then lost to UCLA, beat U of A, and then finished off against Oregon State. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it's not a winless territorial <laughs> cup matchup. And between the two teams in this game, there are eight wins. Um, one of them belongs to the Wildcats. But <laughs> as you get ready for this game, as it's ASU, they're coming off a loss to Oregon State. There's a lot of doubt, I feel like, in Tempe from what I've heard, from what I've read, what I've seen. Just what's the perception of the Arizona State Sun Devils as they head into this game? Well, the temperature is, is pretty pretty warm out here because it's uh, a lot of folks are really upset. Obviously, about the way the Oregon State game transpired, just kind of the offense being a, a no-show yet again. Um, the defense was severely shorthanded. There was a, a number of injuries. Uh, really impacted the defense. But I think mainly it was just that game being the fourth loss just put a like a punctuation mark on the overall disappointment for this whole season because ASU came in, of course, with Rose Bowl expectations, Pac-12 South Championship expectations, and they just simply haven't been met. And you know, I'm sure we'll dive into you know, a bunch of the reasons why, but you know, just the, throughout the course of the season, the ups and downs, um, the relative inconsistency and just the when you had those expectations, you had the level of talent, you had the returning players that ASU had to come out there and, and lose the games that they've lost and probably more damningly in the fashion in which they've lost them, um, kind of capped off with that Oregon State loss with the offense just being completely unable to move the ball. The defense just, you know, trying hard, but just, you know, without so many key pieces, just couldn't keep the uh, Beavers rushing attack at bay. Uh, it's made for a pretty uneasy a week leading up to the rivalry game, um, which is kind of un- a little bit unusual. ASU fans are maybe a little bit eager to get the season and probably for a lot of them get the regime changed out. Um, just kind of looking for, you know, <laughs> uh, for a, an end and a, hopefully a new beginning. So, Brad, you know, you kind of hinted at this and I would love to get your insider perspective because I've gotten to see a little bit of games here and there. Uh, but early on in the season, you know, Zach Hill and the offense were churning along. People were saying that Zach Hill was going to parlay this into a head coaching job. What happened to the ASU offense between the first part of the year and where we're at today? Uh, the competition ramped up and I, you know, there, it's been a, one of the key talking points this entire season has been, has Jaden Daniels regressed? Um, and that's I mean, he's been under fire because his play has been at best inconsistent. Um, he started off the year a little bit run happy, kind of a little bit of ASU fans were kind of reminiscent of the Manny Wilkins era of just kind of the one read and run, um, kind of punctuated really by the UNLV performance where he, he had a career high in rushing yards, but he just looked extremely uneasy um, in the pocket. Uh, for in the middle part of the season, when kind of the, at the time when uh, ASU's offense was really clicking, uh, the UCLA game probably being the best example where they were taking a bunch of deep shots, the passing game was clicking. Uh, you know, he felt more comfortable. He's using his legs to buy time rather than, than to run. But the last several weeks, just the the passing game specifically has been really kind of a nightmare. Uh, the wide receivers have been really banged up. A couple of uh, key guys have been out. But in addition, I mean, just the guys that have been in there have really struggled. They're, they're really struggling to get open. Not a whole lot of separation. Jaden's missing on throws that he just has not missed. He's making some bad decisions. And I think part of that is just 
with those offensive struggles, he's pressing himself a little bit and making some throws and decisions that uh, he hasn't made in his prior two seasons. You know, he's a guy that that was lauded his first two years for not making mistakes, for not throwing picks, and now he has eight touchdowns and nine picks on the year. So it's just been kind of a nightmare season for a bunch of factors at play. Overall, I mean, I think the offensive line's been pretty solid, giving him time. Uh, it's just that he's just not been making the most of it, and the receiving options have not really helped him out. Um, it's basically like if Rashad White can be Superman in a game, like they did in the wins, uh, like over USC, um, then yeah, the ASU can move the ball and be be successful. But like if you last week when he was kind of bottled up on the ground and he was really just kind of the only guy that Jaden looks for re- in the last couple of weeks in the passing game, um, then just everything kind of grinds to a halt. So you mentioned a couple of guys have been out. Uh, maybe you, can you give us an in- insider's perspective on, you know, I know there's some guys that Arizona had held out of the Washington State game that maybe could have played, maybe getting them healthy for the Territorial Cup game. Are there guys uh, that maybe can make Jaden Daniels look better uh, coming back or, or on the defense for this Territorial t- Cup game? Or are there still, you know, is ASU still kind of banged up? Yeah, uh, well, it's kind of hard to say because they um, closed media pra- or media availability at practices today, or uh, for media viewing, rather. Um, so it's been hard to get a read on um, some of the, the guys. In the last game against Oregon State, there was 13 guys, uh, basically kind of six starters overall on both sides of the ball, uh, including two wide receivers in Johnny Wilson and Andre Johnson. Uh, Henry Haddis, one of the starting guards, was out as well. Uh, both their top two tight ends and Curtis Hodges and Jalen Conyers were also out. There was a, a fender bender after practice on Thursday in which uh, five Sun Devil players got some minor injuries. They were all held out, so their status is still TBD. So ASU is playing a little bit close to the vest in terms of some of the key guys that are they're going to be out. Uh, the, their defensive MVP so far this year, linebacker Darian Butler, he was held out of the Oregon State game. So if he's not able to go, that's going to be a big loss for that Sun Devil. And he's just been playing at a really like an all pack 12 level, but also just the heart and soul of this defense, the times when this defense has really been able to clamp down and have those, some of those dominant stretches, it's really been uh, kind of predicated on the play of Butler. So, and then also some, some key guys out in the secondary as well. So it could be a pretty shorthanded ASU team yet again. Maybe they get some of those guys back. Um, we don't know. They're keeping things under wraps, but um, it'll be interesting to see just, you know, if some of those guys that in the, in the, the twos and the threes that had to be, had to step up in, in recent weeks are going to be able to have, are going to be forced to do so again. It's one thing that I've been warning about this ASU team, and I don't think we'll ever really know, is that I thought with all the outside distractions that were happening where the moment the Pac-12 South was no longer an option, the moment the Rose Bowl or these big goals they had going into the season was off the table, they could fall apart. And I know before the Oregon State game, Utah won, which cemented ASU not winning the South, and depending on they're not going to go to the Rose Bowl, they can't back their way into that. And they came out and laid an egg. And I don't know if you could tell they laid that because maybe they were a little bit depressed over not being able to reach their goals or if it's because of the injuries that they had. They were just depleted or playing an opponent on a, in a tough place to play. But is there any read of how this team has responded to? I mean, it's always it's been an up and down season. There's so much going on. And Arizona basketball fans understand what it's like when there's these outside distractions. Every little thing can become a big thing. And eventually it's, it's hard to get through all that. Is there any sense that just at this point now with all that's happened and maybe I don't want to say there's nothing to look forward to but there's less to look forward to, or at least less exciting things to look forward to for a lot of these guys who came back for one more run, who came back, you know, to chase Lucas's of the world, to where they're going into this week saying, all right, whatever. I think that's probably a valid concern because 
a few weeks ago when ASU went into halftime up 21 to seven against Utah. I mean, they were in the driver's seat for the South for getting every single conceivable goal. And then they got run over in that second half, lost that game, came out on homecoming, had a horrific performance against Wazoo. And at that point, you know, there was a lot of criticism around because that basically the ASU at that point no longer controlled their destiny. There's a lot of, you know, talk, a lot of some social media speculation, and then even some columns by some notable figures down here that, you know, asked, how does this team quit? And that, I think that was valid then. But then they came out with some strong performances against USC, had the big comeback against Washington. So it looked like the team hadn't totally mailed it in. But then, yeah, then last week against Oregon State, when the door on the South and the Rose Bowl officially closed, then they had that performance. And it, it's, it's tough to read whether it was kind of a more of an emotional thing or just that they were so shorthanded or maybe just that Oregon State had a really good game because they played really, really well at home. I believe they finished the, the regular season undefeated uh, at Research Stadium. So that, that could be a factor as well. But that uh, how ASU kind of comes out in, that for, in the first quarter on Saturday is going to be really interesting to me. I'm going to be really focusing on how they come out, how they look. The body language has kind of been one thing that's a lot of fans have been overanalyzing this season. But just to see how into this game ASU is, and that might be strange to say in a Territorial Cup matchup, but, you know, just given the, the, the kind of the disappointing nature of the season, that's something that cannot be ignored at all. Um, but, you know, are they going to come out and be like, all right, we're going to get everything we can out of this? You know, as you mentioned, Chase Lucas, a guy who has a ch- chance to go 5-0 and uh, as a starter in his career against Whoa, U of A. 5-0? And- He's like a 12th-year senior, I thought. How could he only have five? <laughs> <laughs> I can't pretend yeah. he wasn't with ASU. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, so I mean, is he's obviously one of the the you know real fiery guy, one of the true emotional leaders of this team. Is he going to be able to rally the dudes around them to around him to get you know them in the proper mindset, or is it we're in like maybe 2016 warning territory well, where ASU that, perhaps just kind of mails it in a little bit? And, and, and that's why I asked. Was I think back to that game? That's the last one in this series that Arizona won, and it wasn't that that was a good Arizona team. In fact, that was a really Really awful Arizona team. Now, granted, that game was in Tucson. This one's in Tempe. But when I look at ASU, and I've watched them, I not as much as you have, but I've watched them a decent amount. I know Brett has too. Talent has never seemed to be the issue. Coaching, you could argue. Discipline, yes. But not talent. And I don't know if Arizona's good enough talent-wise to beat ASU unless ASU doesn't care. And doesn't care can look in different ways, right? Like if Arizona comes out and they're up 21 nothing in their first quarter, does ASU mail it in from there? Maybe. And I know to your point you were saying if how they come out in the first quarter will kind of show you everything. But to me, that's the only way Arizona really can win this game is they have to play really well, number one. But ASU has to not play well at all and has to not care. And I, I'm sure there's that fear in Tempe, that concern, especially with the way the coaching staff, I guess there's reports that Herm will be coming back now, but who knows whether changes are going to happen and just so much noise out there. Do they have it in them? Do they have the mental fortitude to tune out the noise for one more week and get the job done here? Because as far as talent goes, they don't seem to be lacking there, but it seems like the mental toughness that a lot of the mistakes they make would indicate that they struggle in that area. Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the question we'd all like an answer because we just don't know because we've seen both sides of the token so far this season. We've seen an ASC team kind of be disengaged and perhaps overlook opponents and um, just continue to make very uncharacteristic mistakes, at least at the time, uncharacteristic mistakes, <laughs> uh, and just really kind of self-sabotage because you mentioned the talent. Like, I, I think if you their entire season, they've been the more talented team in every game, but 
talent gets you only so far. And you mentioned the coaching. I think the coaching situation is is uh, you know under fire, and rightfully so. I mean, you have three key assistant coaches that were placed on administrative leave before, right before the season, and not surprisingly, some of those are areas of the team that have struggled a lot. And just you have that looming cloud of the NCAA investigation. And I mean, this is a a team making so many mistakes, and with the penalties, the turnovers, the execution errors that you'd expect to see in Herm's first year in like 2018 when they're playing, you know, upwards of over, you know, over 30 freshmen. But no, this is a veteran team with a you know a bunch of super seniors, a guy guys who have been here for three, four years that are all of a sudden making the mistakes that we have not seen be a characteristic of this Herm Edwards era. And I think that just, you know, is the proof that this team's mental focus all season long has just not been where it is. And whether that's just kind of from a, you know, they felt entitled to that, you know, the Pac-12 South is their destiny and that, you know, they're just going to have to show up if it's just a coaching issue, um, just or maybe just bad luck. But I think, you know, mainly I think the coaching staff is rightfully under fire. I think the player leadership um, in certain aspects can be um, also a factor in this. I mean, you know, Jaden Daniels has caught a lot of criticism for his laid back demeanor. I mean, he's just one of those really understated uh, kind of cool, calm and collected guys, which is good when you're leading a fourth quarter comeback drive. But you know, when you're trying to rebound from some mistakes, like a bad pick or something, or, or some adversity, not so great. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how ASU comes out mentally, because I think physically they definitely check all the boxes you, you want. But just Especially mentally, are game. they going to be? Yeah. Yeah. And so are, are they going to be able to mentally be like, okay, well, you know, let's just, you know, quit screwing around, just execute, just play our game and let our talents speak for ourselves and, and as we try to get the cup back. So, so Brad, to that point, if you're if you're Herm Edwards and you're going into this game, how do you motivate those players uh, when the best case scenario is this for ASU is this game will be vacated in a year or two? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, it, it's just like the whole Reggie Bush thing. They can take the trophy, but we all damn well know who the best player in college football was that year. Um, yeah, I mean, the motive. I mean, yeah, it's interesting because. How how is he going to motivate these guys? I mean, there is that that pride aspect. There is the you don't want to be the team that ended ASU's win streak over the Wildcats. You don't want to be U of A's second win of the year. Uh, you know, there are some uh, some aspects uh, that way that you know you could look into. But I mean, it's not like you know this is going to be a great springboard to a Holiday Bowl. I mean, there's you know I think you know this is going to be the last game we're going to see a lot of these key guys um playing because i think you know the just based on the nature of the bowl games you're gonna um can opt out but i you know there's it's it's so interesting because like this is a game that you'd figure is ingrained in every sun devil and wildcat that is the most important every year on the calendar that you don't need that extra motivation but just asu has been so emotionally fragile uh, all season long that that's a major question mark here and that could really and quickly negate their talent advantage so, so looking ahead to to the matchup this weekend, you know, for for our listeners who maybe haven't watched as many games uh, as even Adam and I have, but certainly not as many as you have, Brad. I mean, I think we talked about, you know, everybody knows Jaden Daniels, and I think most people are familiar with Rashad White as the guys that uh, Arizona fans should know uh, going into this game. But are there some other guys that you think Arizona fans should know that could be keys to this game or or big X factors? I think the it's going to be the the passing game because I, I, ASU is going to be able to run the ball. I think the offensive line 
has played pretty strong. They got, I think the, the offensive line had a really poor performance against Oregon State, but I, I, overall they've been a, a team strength this year. And then, of course, the run game, the emergence of Rashad White is just not being just a you know, home run hitting complimentary guy, but the last you know several weeks he's been the guy. Chip Trainum, you know, has some fumble issues, and so he's been kind of you know the the went from one A to a clear number two. Whereas Rashad's been the workhorse back, he's been the the go to guy on the ground, uh, also as a receiver. But we, it's the passing game that for me is going to be the big difference as to whether ASU can just kind of put forth a in control the entire way, run it up type of effort, or if it's going to be one of those games that is going to be still in question in, in that second half. I mean, you have wide receivers like Ricky Pearsall, who's shown flashes, but uh, uh, LV Bunkley Shelton's another guy. Uh, but they're not just—they're not stretching the field as I mentioned before. They're not collectively not getting a whole lot of separation. I think one guy that will be interesting uh, I mentioned before, who's held out uh, of the Oregon State game, is tight end Curtis Hodges. Uh, he was a six foot seven target. He's been really good. He's been kind of Jaden's security blanket. It seems like every game he makes a big, you know, twenty thirty yard catch to spring uh, uh, things open. Uh, his blocking has really improved. He's been a real key uh, part of the Sun Devil offense. So if he's able to get back in the flow a little bit, I think he could be a guy that could help settle Jaden down a little bit and get the passing game going so that ASU offense is not uh, so one-dimensional. So if you're Arizona then looking at this, let's we know the talent difference is substantial. At least we're fairly confident in saying that. I think that's not a disagreeable statement. But if you're Arizona, what's the key to success in this game? And I know you don't know the Wildcats as well, but I mean you've – they, they struggle to move the ball offensively. They don't actually struggle to move the ball. They struggle to score points. Their defense is solid against the pass, not as great against the run. How do they beat an ASU team that, yeah, maybe they come in not focused. Maybe they come in undisciplined, but they still come in as a better team than Arizona. I think a great way to do that and just almost kind of follow the blueprint that Wazoo had a couple uh, weeks ago. Start fast. Punch ASU first in the mouth. Like, oh, like get turnovers on the first on. three or four possessions? That would help, yes. <laughs> that, <laughs> that would help, but just you know, in general, just have a, have a fast start because you know ASU is coming in with, with it's still twenty twenty one point spread or something. Like everybody in the world expects ASU to have a a pretty good go of it, or at least externally. But the folks in Arizona who know this rivalry know that you know these games don't often follow the expected script. Um, for a for U of A, I think that uh, they really need to come in here and, and find a way to start fast. You know, get if they get the ball first, put together a, a good opening drive, get down there, put on put seven. Um, you know, load the box on, on ASU's first possession, force them to pass because I don't think they're, you know, you know, those last, you know, five, six, seven games haven't been great through the air. So make ASU one dimensional. Just get out to an early lead, rattle them a little bit. And then I think because we've seen the proof over the course of the season that once ASU's kind of thrown off their footing a little bit, they have a real hard time getting back on track. Really, it's kind of the UW game is like the lone exception to that rule all season long. But if they're able to kind of rattle ASU, ASU has a big tendency to make mistakes, start getting penalties, which compound into more penalties. Uh, and so I think that's a great way for U of A to come in on the road and just kind of quiet a, what's expected to be a, a near-capacity crowd and, and kind of you know negate that, that talent advantage and kind of force, put the pressure on ASU and, you know, because they haven't really handled it well. And, you know, if they... You know, are able to you know get that early lead. I think ASU could be in in line and at risk of self destructing yet again. And so maybe final question for Brad Denny, a speak of the Devils. We appreciate your time, of course. You mentioned a near capacity crowd. I'm sure a lot of 
anxious ASU fans will be there. I think U of A fans are going there to say, hey, try to compete, win the game would be great, but you know, it's not a good team, whatever. Three touchdown underdogs for a reason. But with what's happened with ASU this season and where people are afraid things might go in the future, if Arizona does get out to that faster, I think weren't they up, I think, 14 nothing or 10 nothing a couple of years ago in 2019? And I know Arizona's had leads in like three of the last four territorial cups, like 10-point leads and three of the, at least 10-point leads. If they get off that fast start in this game against this ASU team, do you think that crowd may actually turn on ASU? And if the crowd turns on ASU with already some of their mental issues, like is that the type they could snowball downhill and just like like now now screw it, like the fans aren't even behind us anymore? Like is that kind of what a fast start for Arizona means? Because it seems like yeah, you always want to get to a fast start, but for this ASU team in this moment, could that almost be a fast start, be a death now? It, it very well could be. I, you know, the emotional fragility of a, of ASU has been on display all year, and like it's a good. I think it's a good thing for ASU that it's at, at home this year. That the way things happen is that they're in Tempe because if it were in, down in Tucson, I mean that, that I, the, the struggles on the road being so pronounced this year for ASU, uh, that could have been a real uh, disappointing situation for them. But uh, I think you know being at home. It should help, but yeah, if they do fall into that fast start, we saw the crowd kind of turn on them against Wazoo. And, you know, the way that first half, in that first half, there was a lot of boos. You know, Jaden afterwards said that, oh, I don't, I don't hear the boos. I mean, of course, they're not. I mean, they they know what's up. They they understand the situation. And they, even after the couple of the USC win, like Chase Lucas kind of you know went after the media a little bit, just saying that they need to support um, with, that the media needs to support ASU and help them up and all that stuff, but which I guess misunderstands the role of the media, but um, so they're cognizant of all the outside noise and all the outside pressure and all the, the criticisms. So I think that they're going to be on edge. And I think that if they, if they are able to come out in a fast start and you let that talent speak for itself, games should go to script. If not, however, you know, if, if U of A does in fact get the early momentum on their side, and then all of a sudden maybe ASU goes, their offense continues to sputter the first couple of drives, U of A gets a score or two. Uh, ASU's got all of a sudden rally, then it could be, yeah, I, I think that it's a very real possibility that uh, things could start uh, snowballing in, a, in the wrong direction for the Sun Devils. So what I'm hearing is if Arizona can get off to like a 35 nothing lead in the first half, <laughs> then they'll have a good chance of winning this game and pulling off the upset. Is that fair? I, yeah, thirty-five nothing. I think. Yeah, I think that probably raised it up to a coin flip at that at that point. <laughs> yeah, it's not like Arizona blow big leads against ASU in this game. Well, <laughs> Brad, we appreciate the time here and your insight into a Sun Devil program. That, of course, it's been a really interesting season, you know, for you. I'm sure, <laughs> maybe not the most fun to cover, but certainly no shortage of storylines. And I guess from our perspective, hopefully you get one more negative storyline to cover on Saturday. But at the same time, you know, I think we're all just hoping for, for a good game and that both teams have fun. <laughs> yeah, because, yeah, if, if there is that negative storyline, that could make for another interesting storyline on that Sunday. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> Before we let you go, actually, do you think that, I mean, I've heard the reports like I was going to let you go, but. Is there a possibility that if ASU loses this game, like that could be the determining factor in a change being made at coach? I don't know if it's a determining factor. Uh, it, the, I've heard things on, on both going both ways, and it, it's real hard to get a read on on the situation. Whether it's just you know, and, and one of the, the interesting factors here is like really Michael Crow is going is kind of driving things rather than Ray Anderson. So it'll be uh, interesting to see if he just wants to 
completely clean house. They go the whole Herm's going to, you know, resign or retire, all that stuff. Or if it is just kind of like they try to make it go uh, incremental um, and just go, you know, maybe clean house AP or something and some other the coach is already on leave or whatever. I, I genuinely don't know because, like I said, I've heard indications and leanings one way or the other. But uh, I think a loss, I mean, we, we saw that a win doesn't save an ASU coach like Todd Graham. He was fired the next day in 2017. So uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what happens. Especially maybe, not, maybe not even a, full, a loss. Maybe it's like a one-score game or something like that, um, given how the season's trans- transpired. Interesting. Well, can, interesting. Can I, ask, can I ask one quick follow-up to that? Brad, you're never leaving. We're going to keep you on the rest of the show. No, I'm just, I'm just curious to know the answer to this from your perspective. Is there even any scenario where Herm Edwards is fired, but Ray Anderson is also not fired? Because I feel like that is a very low chance. I mean, I, I don't think that Herm would ever be fired while Ray is calling the shots. They would uh, be in with their relationship. It would be just like, you know, they, they, you know, put the necessary window dressing on it to be, yeah, he's leaving of his own choice. But I, 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 it would be, it would be tough to see a situation where, where Ray sticks around without Herm. Because just be like just the, the things Ray said after when he let Todd, Todd Graham go, the the goals for this program, the expectations, and then that the ASU uh, system and the new leadership model, the pro model, and all that stuff has really not even come close to that. Um, puts a lot of a lot of uh, focus on, on Ray Anderson. He's done some good things in other sports, but ultimately you're you know, these days you're judged by men's basketball and football. And you know, he's had mixed results, I would say, at best in those regards. So if Crow wanted to just kind of, you know, clean house, get somebody in here that can kind of rebuild from the ground up, I wouldn't be surprised to see that scenario unfold. All right, that's really good stuff. Brad Denny, speak of the devil's podcast, you can follow him on Twitter at BDenny twenty nine. Follow his stuff. He's really good. Uh, if you want to know anything about ASU, he's got you covered. Great podcast. I was on it this week, too. Had a great time with you guys. So, yeah, let's hope for a good game this weekend, I guess. And thanks for joining <laughs> us. Of course. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right. So that's Brad Denny. When we come back, we have to talk basketball, right? Welcome back to Wildcat Radio 2.0. We got one segment left here, but thanks again to Brad Denny from Speak of the Devils for sharing his insight on Arizona State University, who is U of A football's last opponent this season. Brad, I I know we got all that from Brad, and ASU's in a very interesting spot as a program, and yet I have a hard time seeing Arizona winning this game. I don't think that's unreasonable. I think this is a rivalry game. It is a rivalry game. I can confirm and, that, yes. Yeah. Well, I, I say that in the sense of I don't know if I ever believe anything is more than a 60-40 or 65-35 proposition, no matter how good or bad either team is in a football rivalry game. Yeah. Um, I think Brad's point that if it was in Tucson, I'd feel considerably better about it just because I think ASU, if they get down, they can keep themselves down and maybe a, a home field can rally them a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, Brad touched on some stuff that we've talked about. I, I mean, I don't know if Jaden Daniels has regressed or if he was just overrated, but that's a take I think we've had on this podcast in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's an impossibility. I think the spread is too much, uh, for what is the most likely outcome, but I also, I'm not convinced this game will be a 
you know, a 14 point ASU win so much as it'll either be a blowout or a very, very tight game, if that makes sense. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, it, a, lot, a lot of it depends on, on Will Plummer being able to stay healthy. Jamari Joyner is going to be his tweeted that indicating that he is back in full strength. That gives a different wrinkle. Oh, yeah. Like, I, there's there's a way Arizona can win this game, and there's certainly a way Arizona compete. If not win the game, they can compete. You know, you're going to throw everything out there, right? Every trick play, everything. For players like Jamari who have lost to ASU their entire career. For a certain player like Stanley Berryhill, who's one of his first moments was that 2018 game where he almost had that touchdown pass that would have won the game in the final minute there. Like, for those guys, they're going to come out playing hard. And I don't, I don't think I've ever questioned the team's effort this season. But what you can question is their talent level. And to me, it's really more about what ASU does or doesn't do than what Arizona does. Because we know Arizona has to play a good game to be a talented team. Like, they have to play a really good game. Keep the penalties low. Don't turn the ball over. Find the open receivers. All those things. Like, that's the case every single week. Just in this instance, their opponent is more talented than they are. And their opponent is at home. So if ASU comes out and doesn't care at all, whether it's the lot, you know, losing the Pac-12 South title hopes, maybe it's things with their coaches, all the rumors, all that stuff out there. If they come out not caring, then yeah, you could see a repeat of 2016. But to me, that's the only way Arizona wins this game is if ASU trips all over themselves in this, which is possible. We've seen it happen. They did it against Washington State. Like Brad mentioned, I think ASU went like turnover, turnover, missed field goal turnover in their first four drives or something like that. Things like that will help. But short of that, I don't think if each team plays a fairly clean game, like if each team's at their best, ASU wins comfortably. Yeah. And if Arizona's at their best and ASU's just average, ASU probably still wins. Yeah, I was I was actually just going to frame it in that way, Adam, where I think if, if Arizona plays above average to maybe their best and ASU is average plus, I think, I think ASU wins. This is where I would say the rivalry game comes into play where weird stuff happens. Arizona's um, hoping for weird on Saturday. Weird favors oh, yeah. the underdog. Um, and Lord knows Arizona's do some breaks in their in their direction. <laughs> um, you know, um, I it's hard to say. I think a big question here also is how does this defense respond with Don Brown knowingly going into his last game? And that to me is going to really. There's, there's two things that are going to dictate this game. Well, I'll, I'll make three, with the third one obviously being the play of Will Plummer. So we'll just not talk that much about that because that's an obvious one. But how the defense reacts to Don Plummer and his departure. Don Plummer, I like that. Or uh, Don Brown, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I, I mentioned it when we were talking about the WSU game. I'm If, if, Ares, if ASU is going to blow out Arizona, it's going to be because they exploit the safeties in the middle of the field which is not ASU's strength not recently no but it's it's uh arizona's middle of the defense has been bad enough that it it you know it might be enough to make it a strength for asu in this game mm-hmm. if they are able to exploit it and game plan around it i think that will be an interesting thing to keep an eye on um with with Jerry Roberts out, the middle of the defense got a little different. I think Anthony Pandy's going to move over, and then they're going to Yeah, Malik play. Reed's going to get his first career start next yeah, to Malik him. Malik Reed, local uh, Metro Phoenix kid, going to get his first career start in the ASU-U of A game rivalry. You know, the guy had a lot of talent, went to Wisconsin for a reason. We'll see how that all plays out. But to me, it's how how can... Um, I, I'm actually mildly 
comfortable that Arizona can stop ASU's run game as long as they don't run a draw play because WSU sure <laughs> exposed the hell out of them on that. Um, it's that middle of the field passing game combined with a run game that concerns me. I if if Arizona can force ASU to try to throw to the perimeter, I have faith in the corners, but it, it, I don't know if I have enough to feel confident in in Arizona. But I have something in the in my in my gut that tells me it'll be a better game than I'm expecting. But that might just be the optimist in me. Yeah, yeah. I, Arizona's competed with better teams than ASU this season. You can argue BYU is better than ASU. You can certainly argue that Oregon's better than ASU, that Utah is better than ASU. Arizona competed with all those schools. So there's nothing that says they can't go out there. And, of course, Oregon was on the road. So so they've done it in a hostile environment against a better opponent. Can they do it on Saturday? I hope so. I hope so. And I don't know if Arizona keeping it close will be enough for fans. But certainly if they finish strong in the last few weeks of the season, they look like an improved team, you'll feel better about going to the offseason. But, Brett, we promised people basketball. At the, yeah. <laughs> and in the last segment talking to Brad because we want happiness. You know, okay, we can have some questions, and we like the interview. Great stuff from Brad Denny, speak of the Devils. But Arizona basketball, men's and women's, like, they don't lose. I, I think we're going to stick with the men on this one. We're going to focus on them because they're coming off that – uh, tournament in Vegas, a, a quick tournament, just two games. But now they're ranked because they just, well, they won the tournament and smoked Michigan in the process. And, yeah, it's probably an overrated Michigan team. But at the same time, Arizona looked every bit the team that we thought they could be in that the depth is there, the athleticism is there, the size. And they were playing Coloco and Balo at times, at the, um, which is just why, but cool when it works. Like just this looks like a team that can be really, really good. Well, and the the crazy thing to me is, you know, even if Michigan is an overrated team, they still smoked them. Oh yeah, it wasn't and, even close. They bullied them the entire night. And I don't think it was Arizona's best effort. They shot what four of twenty one on threes. That's a lot of three pointers to shoot and miss. Yeah. I understand Michigan was worse, but some of that might have been defense. I think Arizona had good looks. They were just missing, mm-hmm. right? Um, if they shoot 30% on their threes, they win by 30, right? Against a team that, you know, maybe they are maybe they were overrated at number four, but they're still a good team. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. that, that, had, that had a March preview game all written all over it, You right? know what it looked like was the best Sean Miller teams when they would play, like, a Big Ten team or when, like, when they played Duke in the tournament that year. You know, and that was the early Sean Miller team. That was his second year. But just Arizona's athleticism, like they couldn't handle it. Michigan could not handle what Arizona was doing. Arizona wasn't doing anything particularly special, like you said. They weren't shooting the ball particularly well. But their athletes were too much for Michigan to handle. That's, you know, that's Michigan. Like, it's not like that's a bad roster filled with untalented players. And yet Arizona's guys, underrated they may have been, they just abused them up and down the court. Yeah, you know what? Watching the game, you know what it felt like? It was, uh, to do a Ted Lasso reference, Arizona was Danny Rojas, and instead of football as life, it was basketball as life. And they're just going out there with energy and not even necessarily doing everything perfectly, but their 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 speed, their energy, and their skill yeah. overwhelmed Michigan, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I can't remember if I tweeted it out from my personal handle or the or the, the Wildcat Radio handle, but it gave me very, very strong Lute Olsen era vibes where it was free-flowing offense. But the other thing that I noticed in that game that really can go, easily go unnoticed to the casual fan, Arizona's defense, uh, like, and I'm not, and I'm, I'm 
not uh, talking about Christian Coloco's blocks, of which he had several, some of which were the he's monster. He's so good. Oh, he's been fantastic. But team defense for Arizona, with especially on-ball defense and little things like deflections, those are things that, you know, deflections maybe don't even show up as a steal, but those are the kind of things that make an opponent's shooting percentage go down. When you throw them out of rhythm, you make them uncomfortable. Those are the small things, uh, you know, not getting beat off the dribble. Mm-hmm. Those were the things that the best Sean Miller teams did and the best Lute Olsen teams did, right? And that is something that the casual fan doesn't maybe notice, especially when you're, oh, I don't know, tipping a few back, celebrating being the number four team in the country handily on national TV. <laughs> but, boy, though that that kind of stuff is is repeatable. And Michigan is a good enough team where that's not a, not a mistake, right? Um, and so everybody, everybody's excited about the fun pace of play and that's awesome. It's great. The lob dunks are fantastic. Dale and Terry had a couple monster dunks, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm driving that, uh, fan club bus, uh, Ben's starting to get his game going offensively ben, with within the flow of the offense. Kirk Reese yeah. has been a pest. There's articles in the athletic about how he doesn't have to shoot the ball. Well, it doesn't matter. He's out there and he's running this team. Yeah. Kirk, Kirk Reese says, Kirk Carice is a guy who, even when he was shooting horribly, and I've seen some of the things on the boards where people are like, oh, he's shooting too much. He's not off by that much on those shots. Some of them are ill-advised, but shooters shoot, right? And I think he's a good enough player that, uh, and a good enough shooter where if Tommy Lloyd didn't have confidence in shooting that, he would pull him out. <laughs> but he's doing everything else, too. Like True. I think you, you give him those shots because, yeah, he's good enough. He's going to start making them. But he doesn't let it affect the rest of his game. He's playing really good defense. He's running the offense. He's not turning the ball over. He's doing everything but making those shots. And you know that'll come around. Like, you let him, you let him just play his game. Oh, yeah. And and half of his game is his confidence and swagger, right? And part of that means he want, he's going to be taking the shot because he thinks his next shot is his best one. And you need that mentality. you know. And, and I have, on this podcast over the... How, however long it's been, it's it, it's we've watched one one football win in my time on this podcast. Um, I have lamented the lack of a of a of a dog on this team, right? And I, you know, Kirk Carissa to me is a dog in that he's a guy that's got that swagger that that kind of energy and bravado rubs off on a team. And yeah, him and Terry a little bit more. They do the clapping on defense when they're feeling yeah. good about things, and you need that. You need that. I, 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 and I love Dalen Terry for that. I think Dalen Terry's more a, a hype guy that like he feeds off that more than sure. he drives it. Sure. I think Kirk Carissa drives it. But that's what it, you're saying, though. Like it's it's contagious for the team that comments that Kirk yes. Carissa plays with. It rubs off on guys like Dalen Terry, and then they exactly. get going too. Yeah, exactly. And so you know, I I did have the thought the other day when I was looking at a I was I was perusing the commitments. Imagine if Ty Ty Washington was on this team. But if Ty Ty Washington was on this team. Then Kirk Carice is not the starting point guard, and yeah. I'm not sure that's I'm not I'm not 100 convinced that's a better Arizona team. Is there more talent in Ty Ty Washington? Sure, um, but boy, they're fun to watch right now, and they're not even peaking right now. No, no, like they are now ranked 17th in the AP poll, 19th in the coaches poll, back in the top 25 where Arizona belongs, and not necessarily a super surprise to us. I don't know if we expected it to be this early, but that's what happens when you beat Wichita State to get to Michigan and then just dominate Michigan with what we know wasn't Arizona's best effort, at least not their most complete effort with defense, rebounding, shooting the ball, and everything that they're going to want to do. And it does make you wonder, and we've had the same thought every time we've talked about Arizona men's basketball, is like, what is their peak? 
you know, how good can this team be? Because, yeah, they, they've won their first five games, and one of them was one of, a big win right now, especially nationally, the Michigan one. But, you know, how good are they? And I think there's a lot of people, and that's why they're 17th now in the polls, who were like, after last year, like, this is a pretty talented team, but what are they going to look like under Tommy Lloyd? You know, they, they lost James Akinjo, they lost Terrell Brown, they lost Jordan Brown. Like, what is this team going to look like? And five games in, they look really damn good. And the Tommy Lloyd era is off to as good a start as you could have hoped for. And it's too early in the process. And, of course, the IARP is still out there. But this is such the perfect situation otherwise because if your recruit's watching this saying, oh, this is what Arizona looks like under Tommy Lloyd, like I can go there and play this system and win. And it's early. They're only 5-0. and oh, there's, there's more games to be played. But it's starting to answer some of those questions. And for fans who might have had some doubts, again, it's only five games. There's a lot of season left, and Arizona fans are used to winning in the regular season. It's all about what happens in March. I get that. But I think right now when it comes to Arizona men's basketball, there's nothing but good vibes based largely on the roster that Sean Miller left, and Tommy Lee has been super complimentary about that. But he seems to be maximizing the talent he has, and are they better than people thought they'd be sooner than people thought they might be maybe? But this is a talented team that's playing really, really well. Yeah, and the other thing that we've seen in the last couple of days is, you know, Arizona's picked fourth or fifth in the pack, right? Uh, the Pac-12 maybe is not quite there yet. Even the top talent teams, Oregon's been struggling. UCLA looked, I, I made, uh, you know, I made the joke that they are the UCLA fitness uh, Bruins because they're playing basically a pickup game. Uh, they got smoked by uh, Gonzaga. Grant well, as, is really good. Yeah, say, as many teams probably <laughs> will. Um but, you know, it's I, I don't think it's a, a stretch to say that Arizona so far has looked like the best team in the Pac-12. Right. Yeah. Um, and it looks more for the taking than maybe we all assumed coming into the season. But it's early. We'll see. Um, you know, Tom, like, like you said, Tommy Lloyd inherited a pretty darn strong roster. Now, he had to keep him around uh, and, and added a piece or two here or there. But boy, it's going to be a fun team to watch because I, I think they're I, I think they're going to get challenged. And I think that swagger and confidence is going to get challenged a game or two or or five. Right. Mm -hmm. But I don't think they're even as they're I don't think they're that close to playing their best basketball yet. No. And you wonder how the matchup with a preseason favorite like UCLA or with an Oregon or some of the better teams in the pack, some of the, who are supposed to be the better teams in the Pac-12. And of course, you wonder how they'll match up with like an ASU or USC over the course of a long season, because a lot can happen, and their depth at certain positions isn't as good. But from what we've seen with Kristen Coloco taking what looks to be a huge step forward, they have something most teams don't have. Umar Balo looks a little bit more ready to play than I think a lot of people thought he would be. You know, Dalen Terry has taken that monster step as well. Pella Larson hasn't been good, but, no. you know, he's just rounding back into form two from the injuries, finding his way. So there are aspects of this team that are like, wow, that's, that's great, and they seem repeatable. And the things that aren't as great, and it's nitpicking right now, but the things that they're quote-unquote struggling with, you feel like, yeah, that, that's fixable, that's correctable, and it will be. So, you know, it's, you couldn't have asked for much better. Arizona men's basketball's next game is the 27th at Sacramento State. Uh, then they get to start a little bit of Pac-12 play, Washington, at versus Washington, then at Oregon State. So Terrell Brown revenge game, I guess, with Washington. We'll see how that goes. You know, he's been putting up monster numbers for them. But that's why he transferred there, so he could shoot the ball 20 times a game. But, you know, not, nothing but love for that guy. He played hard last year for the Wildcats. So that's men's basketball. We're not going to talk too much about women's hoops this week other than to say they're now number nine in the AP poll. Not surprising to see them keep moving up. Um, they 
after the Louisville win especially, but that's, you know, there's not much to say there. They've just been good. So, like, like I don't know how many programs in there, how many schools in the country have you know two top twenty-five basketball teams right now, but I know Arizona is one of them because Arizona is a basketball school, and this is what a basketball school looks like—not just men's basketball, but men's and women's basketball. That's a basketball school, and Arizona has that going right now. Well, the the funny thing with both Arizona men's and women's teams is what you hoped you would see out of those teams so far. Has what you've is what you've seen, right? Like you wanted, to, you you were hoping and in, in you know expecting maybe like Christian Coloco to take that big leap forward, for Dale and Terry to take that leap forward. You were hoping that uh, the women's team would have their depth just overwhelm. Oh, people that Kate and, Reese uh, would take a step forward too as a team yeah. leader. That Ben Duyani would take a step forward in the replacing of the players they lost. Yeah, and yeah, and so far, <laughs> you know, I, I don't even think either team has played their to their absolute maximum but they're 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 taking those steps forward that you hoped for which is a lot it's a lot more a lot more fun as a fan to watch than, oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> and to see unrealized potential yeah yeah well, for sure so good times with arizona basketball they're doing great so yeah otherwise i, I think that about does it for this week's show of course there's going to be Kind of, I don't know, a post-mortem on the football season to do next week as Arizona's season is finishing this weekend against ASU. We'll get into the defensive coordinator search as Arizona looks to replace Don Brown. Who knows how quickly that will go. I imagine it won't take too long with recruiting to get to and a class to finish up because early signing day is just a few weeks away. So, yeah, hopefully we're talking about a win, though, to finish this season for Arizona football. That would just be delightful. Otherwise, make sure you're following us on Twitter at Wildcat Radio AZ. And of course, you can find us on iTunes, on Spotify. Or if you are subscribing on iTunes, leave us a review and a rating. We'll read that review on the air for you. But otherwise, I, I think that about does it, right, Brad? Are we good? I, I think that I think that's it. I was going to say, you and I are planning to be at the Gate Tempe this weekend. Yeah, yeah, so. we might be tailgating with some people wearing the wrong colors, but we're friendly. It's fine. Well,. Craft beer wins out sometimes. Craft beer like brings everyone together. That's what I think we're getting to here. Cra- craft beer means everyone will have a, a nice time and a competitive game. <laughs> but what I was going to say was, uh, you know, hit, hit us hit us up on the Twitter handle. We'll try to be interactive on there. We Adam and I might be uh, partaking a decent amount before the game. So we'll see how much, if I'm on the handle, how coherent my autocorrect tweets are. But uh, also, we'll be out and about there if you want to come try to flag us down, say hi, hit us up on the handle. Yeah, so what he said. And if you don't find us on Saturday, make sure you catch us next week. And until then, remember to bear down. Bear down.